Well, I believe that God, as we titled this series, History Makers, I believe God is looking for someone um, uh, or somebody, and when I say that, even a church or some churches, uh, someone to, to make his story or to tell his story through. And, and when we tell his story, how many know, and when we live out his story, how many know that's when we become history makers, right, everyone? And uh, I, I've really been wrestling. I opened this series with telling you that I've been uh, a little bit wrestling. God, where do we go from here? What's our next step? How do we, uh, how do we keep from being a church that becomes comfortable uh, now that you've blessed us. You, you know, when you only have 17 people in a coffee shop, how many know it's easy to stay on your knees praying, right? But, but how do we make sure that we are constantly moving out of one comfort zone to the next thing? How many know God's calling is elusive? How many know what I mean? It's like he, we think, oh, man, God's calling us to the next thing. And, and it's not because he's mean. It's because he loves us. Because as soon as we get to the next thing, he said, oh, great. Now that you've had enough faith to get there, I'm going to call you right over here. That's called the journey. And and our prayer is that you would always be on the journey with us. And so I've been just wrestling with God, where are you taking us? And 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 Lord, would you show us, show me the history makers? Would you surround me with people that are saying, I want to live for the eternal, not the temporal? Would you surround, would you bring to radius history makers? And and usually the world views history makers as a little bit crazy. How many know what I'm saying, right? Uh, look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you, all right? Yeah, and, and so it, it, I, I think sometimes it's crazy people, uh, and, and, the, and the scripture's all filled with what, if we, if we lived with them today, we would call them crazy, but they've gone on to make history. People like Elisha, when Elijah came to him and threw the calling of God on him or the mantle of God, on him. He turned around and burned the family business. One of the things we don't want, he was a millionaire in today's standards. He had it made, but he burned the ox. He burned the plowshare. He burned it all. In other words, he burned his bridges because there was something more important he was after. Or, or, or people like the woman with the alabaster jar of perfume that crashed the party and came in and poured out a year's worth of salary on the feet of Jesus. You see, the scriptures are filled with people that we would have called crazy but went on to make history. And, and it's not just in the scripture. It, it, it's people like A.W. Maline. A.W. Maline, he was called one of the one-way missionaries. He was called a one-way missionaries because as he set sail for an island in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters there that lived there had killed every missionary that had gone there before him. Come on, anybody want to go? I got free tickets, everyone. And, but yet somehow he didn't fear for his life. And there's something there that I think sometimes modern Christianity misses. He didn't fear for his life because when he gave his life to Jesus, he gave up the rights to his life. Oh, come on. There's a, I'm not even holding a mic. I need to do a mic drop moment on that. He, he didn't fear for his life because he had already died to himself. And I love this part of the story that instead of packing his suitcases, he packed a coffin. 
He put all of his belongings in a coffin that he knew one day he would be buried in. And he waved goodbye to everyone that loved him and everyone he loved, knowing that he would never return to the comforts of his own city and his own community. And for 35 years, he lived there. And for 35 years, he loved them. And for 35 years, he brought life to them. And when he died, the tribe buried him in the middle of the village and wrote this on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light, but when he left, there was no darkness. That's a history maker right there, everybody. That's a history maker. Our working definition for history maker is this. And and as I've already told you, I want this to be the definition. It won't be the definition today. It'll probably be the definition down the road. It might be the definition when some of us are dead and gone and with Jesus. But I want it to be said of Radius. Radius, a history maker. One that by acts. Mm, I love that it included acts because you can think about big things all the time but one by its acts or its ideas or even its existence modifies the chorus of history. Radius Church, by our acts, by the ideas that are sitting in these chairs, by our very existence in a community that seems to be getting darker, I'm telling you just by our existence, it might modify. It might modify because a marriage comes together. And it might modify because that marriage is now strong and kids grow up in a Christian home. It might modify because they go on to be good citizens uh, and the generations that we just sang about continue one right after another another after another and people don't realize it until they look back and they say I'm grateful for great great grandma and great 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 grandpa that were history makers and just by their existence they changed the whole trajectory of my life can I get an amen on that everybody right I want you to know as we're looking for history makers, I want you to know you showed up on a good Sunday because we have some history makers with us today. Some of you were with us two, uh, six weeks ago, and, uh, and I had uh, Missy come and share. How many remember the message that she shared? Were you here on that day? And afterwards, I just started sharing vision. I said, I don't know where we're going next. We might open another campus, but we might add more services. We might just need another building somewhere close so we can fill another building up because we can never get enough chairs in here. I'm not even sure where we're going. But man, if you ever felt like God might be calling you to move to Washington, come on, how many know I dropped that out there on Sunday night prayer? (laughs) You just never know. And I shared vision with them. And, and, and I said, we can't pay you, but, but I got a big vision. You would never get a big paycheck, but I got a big vision. Come on, everybody. And two days later, after flying home to Michigan, they went home. They called me up and said, hey, I don't know what it looks like, but we are all in. We're packing our coffins, and, and we are moving to Washington. Come on, everybody. Right? I want you and your whole family, would you guys just stand right there so I could embarrass you a little bit more? This is Pat and Missy. This is their daughters, Madison and Skyler. Come on, give them a hand, everybody. Thank you, guys. 
It's just, it, it, it's humbling. It blows you away when your path crosses paths with somebody that says, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something that I would tell you, and it would be better if they weren't in the room. But they, not only did they say, hey, we're coming. Is that good with you? I'm like, well, let me pray about that. You know, he's like, yeah, it's good. And then they called me a week later and said, we just sold our house, by the way, that they had just built not even a year ago and moved in. And then he called me back and said, and we sold our business. How many know that's serious stuff? I said, are you sure you understand? I can't pay you. How, how many of you know that, right? And, and, and so they sold it all and said, we believe in the vision. We believe God is leading, and we are coming to live for eternal things, not temporal things. What can God do through people like that? Amen? Now, I'm glad you're clapping. <laughs> And I'm just playing a little bit. But we need help to get them here. Come on, they've already sold everything. And we need help to get them here. And and we're going to make sure they get here and they're going to move here. But if you still want to participate in the legacy offering from today forward, we'll take any part of that and help pack their coffins, if you will. And how many checked the price of gas lately? <laughs> the price of gas for 2,500 miles, everybody, all right? And if you want to help us, you can do that. And that's all I'll say about it because we'll trust God on the rest. Let me take that now, and we'll talk later as we get into the new year and stuff as they transition here. I know I just opened up all kind of questions, but today is about the message, not about the move. All right, everybody? And, and, and I know that our Tulip community, if you grew up here, our little Tulip community, our little wholesome community, I know that our Tulip community has gotten darker and darker, even in our season living here. And so the question has to become, how do we as the church of Jesus Christ shine brighter and brighter? You see, we all want to live in a community that is safe. We want to live in a community that is blessed, that is flourishing, that is good, that has good schools and good neighborhoods and all of that stuff. But I often wonder if we have given up on our communities so we create this little subculture and escape from all that's going on outside in the culture that we don't agree with and we label it church. And I wonder if we start living in this subculture called the church because the world has just gotten too bad. So let's build a castle. Let's low down our drawbridge on Sunday. Let's gather together and talk about how bad the world is and how fortunate we are that we're going to heaven. How many know that cannot be the definition of the church of Jesus Christ, right? And, and we have this mindset that just says, well, let's hunker down and let's do life inside of our fortress until Jesus comes and rescues us all. But we then fail to remember that God has blessed us, come on, to be a blessing. God has mandated that we would be salt. God has mandated that we would be light. Come on. He has mandated, in other words, that he's looking for some people that will pack their coffins and be history makers. Come on, everybody. What if, what if our community, I want you to think about this. What if our community is the way that it is? Let, let's stretch that a little bit wider. What if all of our communities are the way that they are because the church has become more interested in being safe than making history? I, I, it's just a thought. 
Maybe if you study scriptures, you'll find that God not only loves people, but he loves cities. And he raises up remnants of people to rescue and be history makers and salt and light in those cities. Maybe God has raised up you and I. Maybe he's raised up Radius for such a time as this because I know one person in the room is determined that church is not about what happens on Sunday morning. This is the locker room. Come on. This is the pep rally. We've got an opponent out there and let's get out there and change the score amen everybody come on now the Lord is active in our world but he uses the church to show his power there's a verse that says arise shine for the light has come anybody sang that song in church you've been in church long enough want me to do it arise no okay and arise shine but when you read that verse really what it's saying arise and shine arise is to stand up and to shine is to stand out come on the church's day of hunkering down and and, and just creating our own culture we can't have that we got to arise and shine for our light has come the glory of God has come. It's time for the church to stand up and to stand out. Come on. Are you guys hearing what I'm talking about today? And by the way, he uses ordinary people. Come on, Pat. He just uses guys that own a construction company. And he just uses somebody that's being faithful in their ministry. He just uses volunteers. You know what he uses? He uses, I'm willing, God. He uses availability. He don't use superstars. Uh, he, maybe, maybe people look at us as superstars, but he just uses ordinary people. Let me show you it in Scripture. There's a famous story that even if you're not a church attender, you've probably heard somewhere in your life. It's the feeding of the 5,000. I thought it was ironic because last week we called last Sunday the feeding of the multitudes. And if, if you look at this scripture in the Bible, it says the feeding of the multitudes. Uh, I'll talk about it next week, but there's actually two illustrations of the feeding of the multitudes. But I want to take the feeding of the 5,000 this morning. And I want to withdraw out of it some of the things that I feel like we have to do as a church as we look at this miracle. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter number 14. Here's what it says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and there are no Uber Eats here. Um, Oh, that's the wrong translation. Sorry. Okay. This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away. You know, if it's yellow, we're going to talk about it. Maybe we've spent too much time sending the crowds away. Sending the people away that don't look like us, that don't vote like us, that don't believe like us. Come on. The the disciples said, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. (laughs) You give them something to eat. Wait wait a minute. We're just ordinary nine-to-five fishermen, tax collectors. Boeing workers, refinery workers, fishermen. We're just ordinary. And, and Jesus, the Son of God, says, you do something about it. You do something about the problem. <laughs> now, he had something up his sleeve, and he's going to partner with us, but he's waiting for ordinary, everyday people to step out before he brings the extraordinary to the ordinary. Oh, come on, that was a whole lot better than you're leading on right there, all right? 
It goes on and then it says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And they answered and then he says, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. Just a little bit further um, and it says, they all ate. I love that. They all ate. Not just some. Everybody that was hungry got to eat. Everybody that was searching. Everybody that was looking. They didn't leave anybody out. They didn't go around saying, did you vote the way I voted? They didn't go around saying, do you go to the same denomination that I go to? They didn't go around saying, do you read out of the right translation of the Bible? No, everybody that was there got to eat. Yeah, yeah, come on now. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I'm going to zero in on that. And then the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. And how many know the women and children eat more than the men? How many agree? I didn't think that'd go over, but anyway. Now, next week, I want to just give you a quick commercial. Next week, I'm going to talk about the significant difference between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. In the feeding of the 5,000, there were 12 baskets left over. In the feeding of the 4,000, there were seven baskets left over. And if you just read past that and go, oh, that's cute. No, no, no. It's extremely significant, and I think that oftentimes we missed it. We miss it. But Today, let me stay on track. Five ingredients of becoming a history maker from this story. Number one is we as a church, we've got to embody compassion. We've got to embody it. We can't just talk about it. We can't just get sad on Legacy Sundays. We have to embody compassion. Now let's rewind the story just a little bit. In the story, the disciples had what most of us good Christ-following Christians have. They had concern. They were concerned. One translation says, and the disciples' growing concern told Jesus to send the crowds away. So the disciples were concerned. It was legitimate. It was genuine. But their solution to their concern, watch this, remember the yellow words, was to send them away. So that somebody else could minister to them. So that somebody else could help the homeless. So that somebody else could build shelters. So that the government will step in and open clinics. Come on. Their, the, 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 their whole goal was because they were concerned, they were going to send them away so that somebody else would deal with the issues. <sighs> oh boy, you picked a good day to be here today. They realized, watch this, and, and I don't think it was out of, uh, out of spite. I think sometimes I feel just like the disciples. Sometimes I just, I don't have the resources. I don't have enough food. I didn't pack enough in the brown paper bag. I don't have enough talent. They realized they didn't have enough. They didn't have the resources to meet the needs. And so they wanted to send them away. Now, time out real quick. Don't get me wrong. There are times in this assembly where we might have to send somebody away. And I mean that. Yes, we got an open circle, but there's been once or twice that we can't let you come in the circle until you meet a couple of qualifications. 
like check your attitude at the door. How many know what I'm talking about, right? In other words, we got to protect those that are in the circle from the wolves that we talked about last week. So don't get me wrong. Yes, every once in a while we have to kind of put some restraint somewhere and, 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 and we have to screen a little bit. That doesn't mean that we don't love them. But in this story, everybody, those people were hungry and those people wanted to be there. It didn't matter how well their manners were at the dinner table. They wanted to be at the dinner table, and that's the difference. Come on, are you hearing that today? And there's nothing worse than a hungry mob, by the way. How many know that, right? Come on, you know you're in there cooking the turkey, and everybody keeps saying, when's it ready? When's it ready, right? Uh, The question I wonder is, what difference can we make? I mean, come on, really? What difference can we make with just five loaves and two fish? What, what difference can we make? Before I answer that question, let me turn the story a little bit. You see, they had concern, but the Bible said Jesus had compassion. And that's the difference. I want to make sure we're not just a church filled with concern, but that we're a church filled with people that have compassion. You see, this story made his story not because of the concern in the story. No, this story made history because of the compassion in the story. Come on, are you hearing that today? I mean, we wouldn't be talking about the feeding of the 5,000 if the scripture read something like this. And the disciples had concern and sent them away to Pizza Hut, right? We would have no, there would be no great miracle here. But the miracles happen when we shift from concern to compassion. So I have to ask myself a question when I read this. Do I have compassion for the things that God has compassion for? Mm. I know God's compassionate for people. I know that he's compassionate for this community. I know that he's compassionate, come on, for the needs that are out there. I know that God so loved the world, and if God so loved the world, maybe I should so love the world. Concern sends them away. But watch this. Compassion rolls up the sleeves and sacrifices and works. And by the way, compassion gets messy. Compassion blurs the line. Compassion wonders, man, that they, they look different. They act different. Compassion is just blurry. It's like there, there's no hard set rules all the time. And, and compassion sacrifices. And we already know in this series that God shows up at the place of sacrifice. I just know that compassion can get messy. Ask Jesus how messy it got when the woman with the issue of blood pressed through time after time it's messy and by the way there's never enough they felt like there wasn't enough how many know there's never enough if you're going to join a team and get involved there's never enough time come on how many of you know that and as soon as you join a team the boss is going to demand that you work overtime because there's never enough fish and there's never enough loaves but when we offer it up to God God will do something supernatural with it It's just true because there's never enough fish. There's never enough workers. There's never enough buildings. There's never enough black chairs. Uh, There's never enough. We can go to multiple locations, but how many know there's still never enough until we put it in the hands of God? And we'll always be intimidated of what we should do until we just start doing something and let God multiply it. Number two, if we're going to be a history-making church, number two is we have to establish strategy. I won't talk a lot about this here, but one of the things, if you'll notice, that Jesus directed the people to sit down in smaller groups. He, he, He probably wanted to call them life groups. 
In other words, Jesus brought order to the big crowd. He divided up the big crowd so that there would be order and a strategic way to minister to everybody's needs. I'm going to say it again. Every need you have in your personal walk with Christ can be met if you'll take a couple steps and get involved in a life group or on a dream team. It's just true. Otherwise, we don't know. Come on. Yeah, that was a good place for a hand clap, by the way. And, and so Jesus sat him down, order determined. So only people that clapped are people in life groups. Yeah, all right. <laughs> order determines outcome, right? Order determines outcome. We preach it around here all the time. Jesus brought leadership. And, 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 and so we have to take and establish a strategy. I won't take a lot of time here, but in the next few weeks as we go into 2024, um, we have to develop a strategy. Come on, this is the weekend after Thanksgiving, and I can count maybe 15 maybe 20 chairs that are available. Wait till the next service. See, they're just sleeping off the trip to Pan. They're going to be here, all right? And, and, and we need to go to multiple services. What are we going to do when we're breaking out of our comfort zone? We, we, we need to go to multiple locations. We might need to open up another location. Come on. We might need to start a Bible college where we can raise up our own pastors right in here. We might need to do some of those things, everybody. We have to establish strategy. Because if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always had. And until Jesus comes, we got to work and be the disciple makers and reach our world. Is anybody hearing that today? <laughs> Christianity is not about coming and hearing a sermon that we like or don't like. Come on. It's about being fishers of men. We do four things here. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're going to launch 2024 with three classes on each one of those starting in January. Three Wednesday night classes on how to know God better. Three Wednesday night classes on how to find freedom and change the way I think and break old habits. One of the things Missy's going to help us do is bring what she put on the whiteboard a few weeks ago into everyday practicality so we can really help people find freedom, everybody. Come on. We have to do that. And discover purpose. This year, instead of doing three uh, next steps, we're going to start the year on January 13th. We're going to invite the whole church to a church breakfast and knock out next steps all at a breakfast. Come on. I learned if they won't come, feed them breakfast. All right, everybody. All right? And, and we have to step up. Pat's going to help us launch and, and pour into young men that are just trying to know how to be better husbands and better fathers. And, and we need to step up in the youth ministry because they're coming. we got teenagers that are coming to this church by themselves. we got to do a better job, friends. We can't get comfortable that our needs are being met. God has blessed us to be a blessing. Come on, Em. You know I'm right about this. Yeah? Let me tell you something I love, and that's this. I know if we have vision, and you put vision with ability, and you add some motivation, and you have some resources, and you have strategy, that will equal a positive change. But if you start taking one of those things away, so in other words, if you take vision away, then you're going to have uh, confusion, <laughs> 
If you take ability away, you're going to have anxiety. If you take motivation away, you're going to be intimidated by the size of the vision. If you take the resources away, you'll be frustrated. Let me tell you, when we were in the coffee shop, Patty and I were frustrated because there wasn't resources. There wasn't people. There wasn't finances. There was none of that. We had a big vision, but we had a $100 vision and a two-cent pocketbook. How many know what I'm talking about? And that led to frustration. If you take strategy away, uh, uh, then you get false starts. I'm here to tell you, with the amount of people that are in this room and, and the vision that God's put on my heart, we have vision, and we have ability, and we have motivation, and we have resource, and we have strategy. Come on, let's go be history makers, everybody. Number three. Number three is that we have got to embrace baby steps. It's it, I got to be careful because I can do messages like this and somebody else wants to sell their house. All right, I'm in, you know. And, and, but we got to be able to embrace baby steps because if we think it's all about loading the coffin, we'll, th we'll look for loading the coffin instead of dying a little bit to self every day. Just investing two hours in a life group once every other week. We'll be looking for the grand slam and not settle for the base hit. We'll forget that we're on a journey and think we're in a sprint. Come on now, right? Let's not allow what we can't do, however, stop us from what we can do, right? One of the things I love about the story is Jesus embraced baby steps. He didn't just let manna fall out of heaven. Like Wonder Bread trucks didn't just show up with cans of tuna fish. I mean, he didn't do that. He took the little thing and he broke it into even littler parts. He embraced baby steps. He, he broke the bread, watch this, into smaller pieces. And, and so let's break down the reaching of this valley into smaller pieces. Let's break down this reaching the valley and instead of it being one person. Let's let it be a thousand people. Let's break it into smaller pieces, everybody. Let's I can't go to work with you, but you can show up to work, and you can be a little bit of light in that workplace. I, I wasn't invited to your Thanksgiving family gathering, but you were at your Thanksgiving family gathering. Come on. And you can bring salt into that place. Uh, we got to break it into smaller parts. And, and by the way, sometimes we multiply by dividing. Oh, we don't want any church split. <laughs> the church has got to divide in order to multiply. We've got to divide this big loaf of bread, come on, into smaller pieces, doing ministry all over in our little radiuses, come on, our circles and webs of influence, everybody. And, um, and sometimes we have to say no to temporary things so we can say yes to eternal things. Uh, let me give you some practicalities on this. Uh, uh, breaking it into smaller pieces is, doing, is saying, I'm going to take a step in 2024 beyond the Sunday church service. I'm going to break myself into smaller pieces. I'm going to go to a life group. Mm -hmm. and, and if that life group's weird, then I'm going to go to another one. And you're laughing, but how many know not every life group is for you? So go to another one. I mean, have you ever had a meal you didn't like? You didn't stop eating. I mean, come on, look at... Right? You didn't just stop eating. So break it into small. I, I'm begging you to get involved in relationship building. Come on. Again, because I'm not the star of the show. We all need everybody. 
Yeah, and so, and, and so life groups, and, and get on a dream team. And, and if you're still like rebellious toward that, and I just can't, and I don't know, okay, then take the little, little something extra to show you God loves you card. Come on, I gave them out last week. They're at the resource center. And go do your little part. And don't forget what Zachariah said. Zachariah said, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. With Pat and Missy, it's no different than anybody else. I don't know what it's all going to look like. I don't know how helping people find freedom and pouring into men and pouring into our fifth and sixth graders. I don't know how all that's going to look. I don't know how it's going to look. And I don't know how you're going to get financed. And I don't know. But I'm not going to despise the day of small beginnings. I'm so glad that Patty and I didn't give up in the back of that little coffee shop with our little Tupperware coming in. Hey, anybody want to meet? You know, I mean, I'm so glad because look what God can do when you're faithful at this level. Come on. He can give you greater levels. So let's be faithful at this level. Amen, everybody. Number four. Number four, the fourth thing we've got to do is we've got to empower the church. And in case you've never heard this, you're empowered. This is upside-down church. We're here to build a platform so that you can do what God's put on your heart. Not for you to build my vision, for you to have a healthy place to launch the vision that's in your heart. That's way different than a lot of ministries, everybody. Come on. you got to know by now you're empowered. We don't do church membership. There's not a lot of hoops to jump through. There's not a lot of red tape. There's a little bit because we want to make sure, like, you, you, you know, a Grand Theft Auto isn't our trustee. How many know what I'm saying, right? We want to make sure that even though God has forgiven the axe murderer, they're not back there with your kid right now. How many agree, right, everybody? And so I'm not saying that, but you own it. It's not my church. It's God's church, I understand but it's our family. Let me just say it one more time in case you haven't heard it. I'm not the hero of the radius story. I'm not that good. Oh, thank you for not amening. All right. I mean, if you don't believe it, talk to my wife. It's like, this is, it. this is the best Ken is right here. These 40 minutes. And when I start, the reason they start waving me down after I go 40 minutes is because I start going backwards after that. I'm not that good. I, in all seriousness, I had a guy last year that got his feelings really hurt. He got his feelings hurt because he uh, had some health issues and had been laid up at home for a number of weeks. And he got real hurt. And, and one day he finally just called and said, he didn't even call. He had somebody call and say, he's just really hurt that Pastor Ken didn't come by and see him. And I said, okay. And so I went by and see him, and, 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 and I, said, um, I said, man, I'm so sorry that your feelings got hurt. And he said, well, I'm just very disappointed in you. Here I've been laying here all these weeks, and you haven't come by and seen me. And nobody from the church, is what they said, has come by to minister to me. I said, well, first of all, I know you think I'm good, but I can't read minds. I don't know where you're at. I, I mean, and if you think Facebook is the way we're supposed to find out, come on. 
If you think I'm supposed to find out through social media, if you want, that's why I say you need to be in a life group because your life group leader will know where you're at. Your dream team leader will know that you're missing. It's hard for, I'll miss somebody for three or four weeks and all of a sudden go, where is that so-and-so at? And and because the church has got to be bigger than what one person can do, everybody. It's got to be. And so he was hurt and I went to see him and I said, man, I am so sorry. I know that you're disappointed. And I said, but um, one of your best friends is on our dream team, and they've been filling me in on how you're doing. And so you got a best friend that's on the dream team that's coming by and helping you, and you got another buddy in the church that's making sure they're taking care of your property and your stuff while you're laid up. And, and I said, so please don't say that nobody cares and the church wasn't there. The church was there. Their response back to me was, well, that doesn't count because they're my friends. And I'm like, exactly. They are the church. And, and, then, and then I just strangled him and did his funeral and sent him to heaven, everybody, all right? Okay, now I'm making fun of something that was really serious to somebody. But I'm begging of you, don't put that kind of pressure on me. I'm not God. And it's not healthy for me, it's not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for the kingdom of God. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Can I please get an amen? We have really got to stop having a celebrity pastor mentality. We've got to stop that stuff. We are not heroes. I'm just doing my gift. And the problem is I'm viewed the most. And I have a little bit different seat. I recognize that. God always uses a set man. In other words, Radius probably wouldn't be here if I didn't answer that call. But here's a question. What other ministries might not are there because you're not answering the call? Hmm. Settle down, Ken. Settle down. (laughs) Settle down. See, we've got to move. I'll give you my last point, but we've got to move from being consumers. And it's okay. You can come here and for years be a consumer. That's why we're here. Because people are starving, people are hungry, and they're looking for food. And we don't want to be the church that sends you away. You can come sit in a chair and be a consumer forever. But life gets better when you move from consumer to contributor. Ask Adam and Eve. Everything was good when they were contributing, (laughs) but when they started only consuming, things went a little sideways. Remember that story? But I think there's even another step beyond consumer and contributor. I think there's this whole other step of people that become history makers, and they're the committed. The committed say, I'll do whatever it takes for long as it takes. I look across here and I see, Mike, I was so blessed. I didn't tell you this personally, but your whole men's life group, when we were doing water baptisms the other day, holy cow, them guys were all around that, praying over the water. I mean, just praying over them. I thought, there it is. That's ownership. That's commitment. That's more than consumer. That's more than contributing. That's owning. I'm a part of the answer to the prayers that I am praying. Amen, everybody? Come on now. Number five, and I'll be out of your way. It feels a little... You're not sure whether to cheer or to boo me right now, are you, right? (laughs) Number five is we got to engage in the other side. And please, I beg of you, do not miss next Sunday. Because next Sunday is going to be all about the next miracle. And the other miracle happened on the other side. See, they could have kept the miracle right there amongst the Jewish people. (sighs) And only fed those that look like, talk like, act like them. But Jesus said, hey, I just did this to set you up for that. So I want you to get in the boat, and I want you to go to the other side. Could it be 
could it be that God has blessed us and fed us so that we can get in the boats and go to the other side? I think that's good too, honey. Thank you very much. (laughs) Verse number 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Please don't miss next week. You see, we're an open circle around here. And we always talk about being an open circle. And different kind of people that don't believe like, act like us can be in here. Now that gets messy. Am I right about it? Yeah, it gets messy. See, the Jewish people had just gotten a miracle. They had just gotten fed. And the Jewish people had this belief that they were special. Not just special, they believed they were extra special to God. And, and I get it. There's scripture support for that. that. That They believed that they were the only ones that called on his name and obeyed his laws. But the other side of the coin uh, were those who were uh, uh, not extra special, at least in their minds, that were different then, that didn't believe like, didn't know how to act in religious ways. Mm-hmm. They weren't in the circle. You see, what happens, the other side is anyone from the outside of their borders. Uh, the other side is anyone on the other side of the sea was out. Anyone from the other side of the tracks is out. Anyone from the other political party is out. Jesus had just fed the Jews who were in and did a miracle amongst his people, but now he wants them to go to the other side. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where God is calling radius. He has blessed us with the feeding of the 5,000. He has blessed the church in six years. Look what it is doing. Look how your lives have change. Could it be in 2024, he's saying, hey, while you're shouting hallelujah, get in the boat. Come on and go to the other side. Get on a dream team. Get in a life group. Start a ministry and let's do something significant. Amen. I'll close with a history maker. The history maker, anybody ever heard of Mother Teresa? You talk about a history maker. Some say somebody else say this, but most people ascribe it all the way back to Mother Teresa, and it says this. It says that people are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you win false friends and true enemies Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness makes you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. Come on, everybody, right? Amen. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you do help them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best that you have and you will get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best that you have anyway. Let's be history makers, everybody. Come on.